Netcasts you love. From people you trust. This is Twit. Bandwidth for the Tech Guy is provided by Cashfly. C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com. Hi, this is Leo Laporte, and this is my Tech Guy podcast, the video version. That means we're going to take the best from shows 755 and 756 and chop them up and put them together and give them to you. This is uh, These are two shows that were aired on Saturday and Sunday, March 26th and 27th, 2011. There's a Steve Martin interview in here, by the way. Enjoy. Well, a good day to you, Leo Laporte here, the tech guy. Time to talk about computers, the internet, cell phones, camcorders, MP3 players, home theater, all the doodads and doohickeys that are changing this world of ours. How are you today? Hope you're having a great day. My phone number, if you'd like to join the fun, 8888-ASK-LEO, 888-827-5536. Toll free from anywhere in the U.S. If you're outside the U.S., no problem. Just uh, call Skype. Use Skype out. Use that same number, plus one eighty eight eighty eight. ask Leo, and it'll be toll-free for you to reach the tech guy. Ask a question, make a comment, make a suggestion. We talk a lot on the Tech Guy show about the Google. Actually, everybody talks a lot about the Google these days. It's, you know, it's uh, probably the most successful, second most successful, I don't know, company uh, in technology. One of the most successful companies in the world. And certainly the reason we talk about it an awful lot these days is it has a lot of power. Frankly, if you are on the Internet, but you don't show up in a Google search, you're really not on the Internet, right? Google search is kind of the definitive directory of the Internet. Without it, there's, you know, you don't exist. You might have a web page, you might, you know, and all that stuff, but without a, a Google entry, do you exist? And we talk a lot about the power of Google, but modifying its... Uh, Search algorithms a couple of weeks ago, they changed it so that's to protect us from uh, something that's kind of controversial called demand media. These are websites where uh, they create articles based on your interest. The article doesn't have to have a lot of meat to it. In fact, often, you know, they pay the authors five bucks and often the articles are recycled from other sources or poorly written or not definitive but doesn't matter because there's an ad sitting right next to it and they make sure those articles are about subjects that are highly searched so for instance um, let's say you're into Harley belt buckles I mean who isn't and the and the folks at these demand media places see that you're into Harley belt buckles or that a lot of people search for Harley belt buckles. You can get that information. Google will tell you what do people search for. So they say, mm, we better get an article up about Harley belt buckles. They make an article. It doesn't have matter. You know, pay, literally pay somebody five bucks to make an article. It doesn't matter if it's good or anything. Just as long as it has the words Harley belt buckle <laughs> on the page and, uh, you know, a little bit about Harley belt buckles in an ad. And they're going to get a lot of hits because people will search. And you've seen this, right? When you go to the Google and you search and you get something and, you, you know, some of these results are maybe not such definitive, interesting results. But these sites are very effective at kind of gaming Google's algorithms to show up on the search. This is big business. It's called demand media. There are a number of companies that do this. And they, they say, no, we're good quality material. Well, Google a couple of weeks ago changed their search algorithm 
to knock these guys off or to knock them down, saying, hey, you know, it isn't good material. This is, this is actually one of the big arguments with Google is, is how do you determine whether an article is authoritative? Who's to say? Who's the judge? Google would like to say, oh, the computer's the judge, our algorithms are the judge, but they tweak those all the time, don't they? And they admit, Matt Cuts, there's their guy in charge of spam, a friend of mine, I like Matt a lot, admitted, yeah, we, sometimes we hand-tweak the results if we're not getting the results we want. Great article in TechCrunch this morning by Amanda Hesser. This is an area I wouldn't have thought Google would have any impact, and yet does. Amanda, you may know her name. She's a... a cooking writer for the New York Times. She also wrote the great New York Times cookbook, which I think is fantastic, and uh, is a one of the founders of a cooking community called Food 52. She says, Google has modified its recipe search in such a way that it's bad for food, bad for cooks, bad for us. Wait a minute, what? So this is what I didn't know. She says, every month, about a billion of Google's searches, one billion of Google's searches every month are for recipes. Google, it's clear, she says, is the number one influence on what Americans cook. Of course, with a billion searches for recipes, have you done that? I've done that. I want to make beef stew. What do I do? I Google beef stew, and then I look at the recipes. Well, recently... Google, uh, about three weeks ago, changed its recipe search algorithm. You can now narrow down the search by ingredient, I like that, by cooking time, and by calories. And she says, this is an example of how Google, even with the slightest little tweak, and a tweak that is on the face of it a great idea, can really change everything. Because, she says... This is going to favor sites that can put information in about calories, cooking time, and ingredients. And, and it's going to disfavor blogs and other sites which have great recipes. And I've, there are some great cooking blogs. But don't know the number of calories in the recipe. They don't have that information in the, quote, metadata. So they can't make that change. So that means some of the best recipes are going to disappear. They won't show up in the top search results at Google. And she also points out that a lot of the sites that do have information like this, it's just plain wrong. And Google doesn't give us enough choices. She gives us an example, a, a, a great French classic dish called cassoulet. It's a hunter's stew. It's delicious. The Google choices for cooking time are on this and everything, less than 15 minutes, less than 30 minutes, or less than 60 minutes. She says, you can't make a cassoulet in less than four hours. You can't. So where does the search for cassoulet get you? She said, well, I found a recipe that says it claims it takes a minute to make cassoulet with canned mushrooms, kidney beans, and beef. That's not exactly a cassoulet. She's found another recipe that said that the cassoulet that they made was 100 calories per person, even though each serving contains a full lamb shank and a sausage link, an entire sausage link. That's not 100 calories. So people lie, people game, people mess with Google. And as a result, she says it's going to change the way Americans cook and eat. Who to thunkin'? Now, I admit this is just a narrow little area, but that's the point, is that Google has so much influence. 
a billion searches for recipes every month on Google. And now, because they've changed how it works, you're much more likely to find recipes from companies that are willing to lie, that are willing to misrepresent. You're not going to find the best recipes. You're just going to find the ones from the companies that are good about gaming Google. <gasps> oh, no. I, I don't envy Google. I don't envy their situation because, of course, they have to do stuff like this. That makes Google much more useful. But at the same time, it's hard for them to predict the unintended side consequences of anything that they do. And even the smallest tweak like this, even the smallest tweak uh, can have huge impact on society. I guess the point is that Google has a huge amount of power because they are really 70 or 80% of all searches go through Google. They are in effect the arbiter of what exists and does not exist on the internet. And uh, while I think they take that responsibility seriously, there's nobody in the world that can live up to that. What am I calling for? Am I saying, well, we should have, we should, what should we do? There's nothing you can do. Take apart Google? I don't think so. I mean, that might be what, what ends up happening. Suggest that everybody start using Bing? Uh, you know, I, I can't, <laughs> if Google's better than Bing, you're not going to do that. What do we do? I guess just be aware of the, of the immense power wielded by Google because so many of us use it and because, well, it's so good. And I know the folks at Google think very hard about this stuff. And perhaps they'll read uh, this article on TechCrunch. I'll put a link in the show notes from Amanda Hesser and maybe rethink their search algorithms for recipes. And maybe you and I should start searching somewhere else to find the best food. 8888-ASK-LEO. That's the phone number. 888-827-5536. I am Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. 8888 Ask Leo, 888-827-5536. That's my phone number if you have a question, a comment, a suggestion. Our first call of the day from Las Flores, California. Steve on the line. Hi, Steve. Uh, you'll have to pick him up for me, Luis. Thanks. Hi, Steve. Hi, Leo. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Um, I have a question that kind of fits in with what you're talking about. I have a website that uh, really doesn't fit into any existing category. And so um, it, it would be great if I was selling the belt buckles like you were talking yeah, about. Just, well, that's all you need. Harley Davidson belt buckles. It's the secret. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, I, was, uh, I was starting to use the, uh, the link sites, the, the link exchange sites. Do not. Uh, that. Well, that's what I started to read. It said it, I, I could actually drop my page rankings because of that. And so um, uh, that's really my main question was to find out if that was legitimate or not. It is not. So here's the deal. Google is very sensitive to being gamed. You know what I mean when I'm saying gamed? Yeah. Google yeah. says, and they're very clear, and you should read their guidelines for webmasters. They say that the way to be successful and uh, to show up well, successful in Google's terms, is show up high on uh, the search results, is right. to have great content, period. Now, we know there's other things you can do, but they are very clear that if you do something that doesn't have to do with improving your content, in other words, if you try to get around the Google algorithms, try to game the algorithms, try to beat them in a mechanical way, they will punish you. And a punishment can be everything from lower rankings to no ranking. They've actually um, dumped people. 
And if you don't show up on Google, you don't show up. So look, and those link exchanges, that's exactly how not to do it. Okay, then I'm, I won't do that anymore. The site is so kind of unusual. Well, what, tell me about it. It sounds, it, it almost kind of sounds bad. In fact, the name of it is called emaileavesdropper.com. I like it. But the con <laughs> yeah, see, the concept, <laughs> it's, it's a very unique, unusual concept. It's uh, people can sign up to be blind copied on uh, emails between fictional characters in a story. Oh, I love it. What a great so, idea. Yeah, it's kind of, and so I don't know what category to put this in, but I've got, you know, like, uh, not very many people on it. It's been up for about six months now. But it, every, all the response I get from people is really good. You know, they're saying, you know, that you, you get this kind of surreal sense that you're eavesdropping on private conversations. No one sees your emails. It's all very safe and everything. And so this story kind of unfolds oh, during your day. You receive these emails, and, and um, you kind of learn the details of the story from the perspective of those that are writing them. So it's kind of it's fun and different, but I can't get known. I mean, it's very difficult. Yeah. So Google is probably, I mean, if you can't think of a, a term that somebody's likely to search for you on, on Google, then forget Google. Yeah. I mean, who's going to search for, I did just search for email eavesdropper and found you, but you have to, I mean, who's going to search for email eavesdropper? I know. I, I mean, know. What, what? and who even knows how to spell eavesdropping? I know. <laughs> so that's, that's kind of, it's, it's, it's easy if you're a, a, a simple product or a simple concept, but you're right. This discourages, this is another issue, doesn't it? Discourages something that's so new and innovative that nobody would know how to search for it. You, you, Google search is not your solution. Your solution, though, is, is, is to get yourself known, well, by going out there and, and, and finding people who might be interested in this whether it's on message boards, uh, other websites. And, uh, you know, you participate in the Internet world and you let people know that you're out there and you're doing it and people will find it. Coming on the radio is great. I see you've got some press. That's good. Um, and just, you know, you, that's how you're going to get known because nobody's going to search for... How, who's going to come up with the idea, oh, you know what I really would like? I would like a website that is eavesdropping on fictional characters. Nobody's going to think of that. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> But that's a that's a flaw in the in the notion of uh, web search. You can't search for something you don't know about. Okay, so it's kind of a, a network marketing more than it has to be. It can't be yeah. search. Now, when when you're doing the network marketing, you're going to keep in mind that people are not going to remember your URL and you know your website address in all likelihood. They're going to say, oh, you know, even people listening to the show right now. They're going to say, oh, you know, Leo had somebody on. It was about fictional characters, and you'd get an email from them. You have, to f you have to, in your mind, think about how people will then search for you, having learned about you. So changing the name of it, maybe? No. The name, the name of the site is one thing. Uh, another thing that's very important, though, and I see that you're not really taking advantage of it. Well, actually, you are. I like it. You, you, there, there a couple of things Google pays particular attention to. One is the title of your page. Not your URL. And you've got a title that's uh, ease, Stories Told Through Eavesdropping. I can't see the rest of it. But it's a, it's, it's, a, it's a good title in the sense that it shows people through eavesdropping on email. It does, in fact, have kind of the keywords that people might search for. Eavesdropping, email, stories. So the title of your page is... is uh, I would still put in here, I would put email, eavesdropper, 
uh, semicolon or colon, then story. So you want you want the name of the page in that title, by the way. Because people are going to bookmark it, uh, and when they bookmark it, you see I bookmark it here, and that's what I get is stories told through eavesdropping on email. I might want to have it just say email eavesdropper, then a colon, and then I can delete the last part for my bookmark. You also, though, want to have keywords in there. The first, uh, there's a great, you know, Google filed for a patent application a few years ago, and there is a great article about what we can tell about Google from its patent application. It's on a site called Buzzy. Oh. Uh, I'll, I'll put a link in the show notes. I've mentioned it before, but if you Google B-U-Z-Z, -Z, is it Buzzy or Buzzle? I think it's B-U-Z-Z-L-E and Google and Patent. You'll find this article. It's five years old, I think, now. But it has some really relevant, I think really the only relevant, this is called SEO, by the way, Search Engine Optimization. It has some of the most relevant information. Yeah, yeah, it's Buzzle, B-U-Z-Z-L-E. Yeah, I found it. Yep. Yeah, see? The Google's good if you know what you're searching for. So there's a few things in here that are useful. Now, you all, everybody knows about PageRank, and that's what you were trying to game. Google bases your ranking on the number of people linking to you. But it has to be legitimate links. It can't be a link farm or Google get mad. Yeah. So you can. I mean, it's not, it's not illegitimate to encourage other fiction sites to link to you. To get people to talk about you with a link to your site is great. Because those links give you Google juice. Uh, you should also look at some of these other things, including they mentioned the title in here, uh, the first 1,500 characters. Some of this Google no longer does or has fine-tuned, but this is, a, this, is a, this is a very good article, and it has at the, at the last overall, keep it ethical and you can't go far wrong. Don't be tempted to spam. And, and you know, I think what you're doing is great, and I think... The, Really, it's not about Google for you. It's about people, you know, getting your concept and telling their friends and writing articles and mentioning it online, and that will help you with your Google juice. But what are people going to search for? Fictional surveillance? I didn't even know such a thing existed. <laughs> well, it doesn't. It's new, and that's, that's why I don't have a category I can stick it in. Well, you see, this is great, and I think that this is, a, this is kind of following on what I was talking about. While Google works and is good, there are some things it is not good at. For instance, something nobody knows about. So they don't know how to search for it. They can't, it doesn't, what are they going to, what are they going to search for? They don't know. Steve, good luck. I love it. It's, uh, the site again, emaileavesdropper.com. <laughs> David in Ontario, Canada. Ah, oh, hi, David. How are you? Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Yeah, I have, um, I just started a, a new venture and it requires the use of a slow moving uh, mobile vehicle. And we want to stay connected to the internet, and we only want to travel three square feet at a time, so it's pretty slow. Three feet so, at a time, but you want to stay connected. You want to stay connected in North America, for sure. Mm -hmm. Traveling. And uh, are you going to go everywhere, or where are you going to go? Well, we hope to go everywhere. Uh, we've got an RV, and um, I'm just not certain being in Canada. I don't know what I should do to be able to um, connect well, the most, the, the, of course, the widest internet coverage is provided by cell phone carriers, 3G. Okay. And uh, that's what we use. We use a program, a, a piece of hardware called a Live U, L-I-V-E, the letter U dot com for video streaming. So we're able to do wireless video streaming at conferences and, you know, from anywhere. 
The live view is interesting because it's based on uh, mobile data, you know, internet data from your wireless carrier, but it doesn't just rely on one carrier. It has slots for 12 different USB cards, and generally it'll have three or, f three or four from each of the major carriers, and then it bonds them together to get a higher speed connection, but also uh, to compensate for the fact that 3G is wildly, um, you know, fluctuates wildly in terms of its speed. Right. How much data are you sending? Well, not that much. We have people that are accessing our site. Um, and uh, So you want to have a website? No, you're not going to be a mobile website, are you? Well, I have to have access to it because we have people that are placing a pin on a world map and we need to send them information. Well, but, okay, so this thing that's moving three feet, what is it, three feet an hour, three feet a day? Um, three square feet is really just a term that we use when we're in front of somebody else we want to create a positive effect so we call it three square feet at a time so we're our, our premise is to to travel throughout canada um, well actually north america but, but you're in an rv we're in an rv that's right so what you're asking is where what can i do in an rv to get full-time internet access full-time internet that's okay right. as opposed to having some device that's going around that's sending data back you want to you want to be able to get on the net i just want to get on the net yeah yeah i you know there are two really only two ways to do this one is a satellite dish some people do put a put a direct tv satellite dish uh or a direct uh, data satellite dish on their on their roof the problem with that is it doesn't work while you're driving it only works when you get to where you're going and you aim it uh, okay. But but I would say most people uh, in this situation, and there's a lot of truckers, for instance, listening to this show who use this, would just just get a 3G device. Um, now you're in Canada, so you're going to be going through Telos, Bell, or Rogers, right? Right. Uh, you should probably look and see who has coverage where you want to be. It may be, in fact, that Rogers has only you know the East Coast, and Bell has the West Coast. So you may have to get, you know, you may have to get more than one of these, but all three of them, I'm pretty sure, sell what's called a MiFi, which is a credit card-sized device that takes, gets its data access from the 3G network and then turns it into Wi-Fi so you can connect anything to it. Okay. Turns it into a Wi-Fi access, uh, a Wi-Fi access point using 3G data. And you can do, on, on most of these uh, five uh, or more sometimes, uh, connections. So you could use a regular laptop, a cell phone, you could use any device attached to it. Right. So when I cross the border into the States, so would I have to... Yeah, then you're going to have to go to a new carrier. Because <laughs> what you don't want to do is pay for data roaming. So you plan to go in the States as well? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. we're heading next week. I'd look at... Uh, is, do you have Virgin Mobile in Canada? Yeah. Virgin Mobile is in both Canada and the U.S. I bet you they still charge you roaming if you go from Canada to the U.S., but I would check with them. They have the lowest cost flat rate data plan. It's only 3G, but 3G is enough. And, and 4G is so, it's, 4G is, you know, G means generation. It's very, it doesn't communicate any information. Third generation or fourth generation data networks. Fourth generation networks are faster, but they're not widespread yet. Just get a 3G card. Uh, I, think, I think Virgin uh, is probably the best if you can get it there. It uses the Sprint network in the U.S. That probably means, well, I don't know what, what it would use in uh, Canada. You'd have to check with them to see, hey, what does it cost if I go over the border? In my experience, it costs a lot. It's cheaper to get a device in the U.S. for the U.S. 
I'm not certain um, my my um, RV dealer has something called iCoach. Yeah, hey, I don't know what that is. You know, there's only two ways to do this: satellite or 3G. So it's they're reselling one or the other. I wouldn't go with satellite. No. Yeah, it's just because you can't while you're moving. I presume you want to do this while you're moving, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you, you pretty much have to go 3G. What if you had that satellite tracking system where it did sort of? Move yeah, I guess. <laughs> I guess you could do that. It's also pricey. The bandwidth's not very. 3G is so much better. Satellite would be necessary only if you're going areas. And by the way, satellite it doesn't cross uh, uh, international borders either. It would only work in if you're going to areas where uh, there's no 3G coverage, and that's that's really going to be the issue: is where are you going to go and what kind of coverage are they going to have there? Satellite also has issues with weather. Technically, it doesn't cross borders. Actually, technically, it does cross borders because, of course, you could still see the satellite, but um, you're not supposed to. It's an interesting idea. I'd love to hear more about it when you uh, when you get this going. I think I think 3G is the way to go. I think that's how everybody, you know, all the uh, truckers that we talk to on the show who really have the same issue. You can you can you can always use Wi-Fi when you get to the truck stop or the or the campgrounds, but if you want to do it continuously, you've got to use 3G. Back to the phones we go, and uh, Mervin in Fullerton, California. Hey, Mervin, Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Yes, uh, yes. Thank you for taking my call, Leo. Thanks for yes. calling, Mervin. Okay. And uh, so what I have is a form that I have to fill out monthly, and it has to. And uh, I've been doing it, you know, penmanship by hand, and um, and a lot of times the form is returned because I say, well, they can't. I can't read your writing, but uh, I've been doing it for a while. But I would like to do it by computer. Right? Sure. Just take take this form and just stick it right in the computer. And uh, does it change a lot from month to month? No, it's the same form. Same. It's just it has uh, vertical lines. And uh, horizontal, I'm sorry, horizontal line. So you just change the date once a month and send it again? Uh, yes, I do. Yes, I, right. I yeah. put a date on it. And so it's a paper form in its form that it comes to you, or is it is it electronic? No, it's uh, it's just what they've made at at uh, the office. And okay. They, what, what they've done, they've uh, I guess they look like they put this together themselves, but it has lines. It has to, uh, I have to fill it out showing works, right. time work on Yeah, I do this too. It's like a timesheet. So uh, what you do is you scan it. You don't have to scan it yourself. You can bring it to a copy shop, and they'll scan it for you, and you get a digital file. You'd like to get a PDF. Uh, you fill, Actually, the best thing to do would be take it once, type in the stuff that never changes, then scan it so you never have to type that in again. You've got it on your computer as a PDF, and then you can modify it. There's a great program on Mac called PDF Pen. Foxit on the PC. These are programs that let you add text to PDFs. You're done. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Little Eric Clapton and Cream. Did you ever work with Cream, Bob? I worked with Eric. You know Eric? I don't know him, but uh, they used our PA for several years. Bobby Pridden, who is the sound man for The Who, uh, in between one of the breaks between Who's Next and Quadrophenia, Bobby took the system out for a couple years on and off with Eric. Bob Heil is sitting across from me, and this guy, well, first of all, he's the original tech guy. How many years on KMOX? 25, starting in 1977. 77, so that's well before me. <laughs> and you, what was the name of the show? High Tech Heil. High Tech Heil. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And uh, that was with... Uh, Jim White. Jim White, that's right. Mm -hmm. yeah. 
the man that goes bumping the night. That was his Jim White bumping the night. Yeah. On KMOX. Is he still on KMOX? No, he passed away. Okay. He was there for thirty three years. That's a long time. Yeah. So Bob has been answering tech questions for longer than than uh, I've been in radio almost. I got in radio in late seventy six, so almost. Yeah, that's a long time. You're in it with much more technology than we were. <laughs> I remember the first show that CBS sent me to. I I got to do back send back this report, and I had this little silver disc, and it had music on it. <laughs> it's going to be great someday. I remember when the program director at the music station I was working at said, "Look at these. This is the future of music," and they never scratch. And he threw it on the on the table. And, of course, it's scratched. Yes, of course yeah. it is. <laughs> <laughs> so the reason Bob's in here, it just first of all, it, it, he's an old friend who I've only now just met. We've talked before many times, and for five years I've been using nothing but Heil mics on the air. Uh, my whole network runs on Heil mics, even the stand I use. And you said you use me as the poster boy for your Heil stands. Yeah. Why is that? Because you use it so well. I'm always I mean, moving always my moving stand it. around. Yeah. And, and it's holding right there, and it doesn't fail you. It doesn't fail me. Yeah. It, uh, it, it, I, do, I have to squeak a little WD-40 on there. It's starting to squeak a little bit, but that's probably because I, I, I move it around so much during the show. People don't see that, but uh, mm -hmm. I'm always, I have to always, because I'm moving around, and I need yeah. the mic to stay with me. So uh, you started in uh, as a, uh, a rocker. Well, you started as a ye old music shop. Mm-hmm. In 1966. And then... Uh, Selling Hammond organs. <laughs> You're an organist. Because I was an organist. Yeah, yeah. Started when I was 12 playing, but in, when I was 15, I started playing at the Fox Theater in St. Louis and learning to voice and tune pipe organs. That, wow. That, you know, that is an art, and I was so honored and blessed that Stan Can taught me how to do those kind of things. You've got a picture here of you in the in the midst of the pipes. Yes, tuning wow. and voicing these things. Yeah. It's just amazing. And and that's how I learned to listen. It was very important to understand how to listen. Uh, hearing is just a physical process, but listening is mental. That's interesting. And, Knowing what you're hearing and, and it, processing it. All came about from that. And then I started uh, rent, renting Hammond organs in 1967 to the groups that would come through St. Louis, and I'd go to take a Hammond organ and a couple of Leslie speakers to people like Vanilla Fudge and oh. <laughs> <laughs> all of that. I and, remember that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I saw where they're coming back. They're going to do it. They're a back, baby. Yeah. But they use Sun Amps and uh, uh, the Leslie speakers and stuff. I rented them. But um, all of a sudden, I'm going, wait a minute. They got these little columns, and nobody could understand what they were saying. The PA was awful. So, uh, a few years later, I had a PA that really worked, Macintosh and JBL and Alltech A4s, big stuff. And uh, the Grateful Dead really kicked us out where they came to, they came to, um, kicked us out is the wrong word, started us, I guess. Kicked, they you, came, kicked you off. Yeah, they came to St. Louis without a PA because uh, Owsley had gotten um, picked up by the feds the night before and <laughs> <laughs> confiscated him and the PA. But they came to St. Louis, didn't have cell phones, hardly had any kind of communication, and got into the Fox Theater, that very place that I grew up and playing the organ, and uh, had no PA. So they, the stagehand picked up the microphone and or the telephone and called me and said, "Do you have microphones and speakers?" And I said, "Yeah, well, talk to this guy." He handed the phone to Jerry Garcia, <laughs> and I told him what I had: Macintosh amps and JBL and all tech. He said, "Well, get it up here and." They took us right out of there that night, Leo. It was quite an experience for a little kid from Marissa. 
And uh, my roadies took that thing out, and on a tour they went. And um, everybody started calling us. We hit the front page of Billboard. That well, and the and the Grateful Dead became famous for their quality yeah, of their stage sound. Yeah. I think they still are considered the state of the art. Well, they were, and they, yeah. they did such wonderful thing. Owsley came back, and there were so many other people involved when in the in the Grateful Dead uh, experience. I always call it and. I was really honored to be with them uh, that first year. And uh, then the Who started calling in Humble Pie and Frampton and all that. But all along through this, I met Joe Walsh with the James Gang in 1968. Later the Eagles, yep. And Joe is an avid ham radio operator. Oh, I didn't know that. That's interesting. Big-time technology huh. guy. and we'd be a, He's a, a geek. <laughs> we'd be in the back of the bus with a little Atlas transmitter talking to somebody in South, South Africa with a wire strung out to the back of the stage. And they'd come in and the stage would be, they're, they're clapping. It, you're supposed to be on. And Joe would say, I, just hang on. I'm talking to this guy in South Africa. I'm on the radio. And when I get ready, then I'll be there. But they're not going home. And that's we'd funny. finish talking to the guy on the ham radio and Joe in, would go in oh, and that's play. Funny. Yeah, it was great. So you got to have your priorities in life. Absolutely. And at that particular point, Funk 48 was not it. For Funk 49 was not it. It was working the guy in South Africa. That's pretty funny. <laughs> Bob, uh, Bob Stillaham, his uh, call is K9EID. I have a QSL card from him. <laughs> Very good. Right now. Yeah. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't actually do a listening report here. I just, he's handed it to me. Uh, so you make mics now, and uh, you make the best mics in the world. Do, and by the way, I should tell people, if you go to uh, Bob's website, Sound H-E-I-L-S-O-U-N-D.com. The reason I mention this, a lot of people call and say, I want to do a podcast, I want to, mm -hmm. I want better audio on my videos, so forth. And I say, you know, uh, you got to learn about mics. You have online there, if you click the, the uh, entry for Mic Primer, you have a great description. It's called It All Starts With The Microphone. I have the pamphlet. You can download it uh, yourself. It's free. He's making it free. And it, everything you'd ever want to know about how microphones work. It's kind of interesting because we live in a digital world, but somebody's got to convert the sound, the analog sound coming out of our voice in, in, into... Now, a lot of people are making mics with a USB connection. Mm -hmm. They go right into the computer. I, I don't personally like that. I don't think the quality... I know the quality isn't as good. And the delay just drives me crazy. Yeah, yeah. And we don't need that. We should never use condensers. Uh, Joe always told me that I was put on this earth to get rid of condensers. <laughs> and you know what? We pretty much have. Well, here's your speaking into it. I, I use a, a, a Bob Heil PR40 <laughs> uh, large coil dynamic mic. If you have to have phantom power, that means it's a condenser. This yes. doesn't, and, and it sounds it, so good. It just doesn't work because it picks up way too much. If you had condensers in here, you couldn't operate the way you I do. I was saying that earlier in the show is that uh, I'm in a room with 14 computers. There's people wandering around. There's a window open. I don't have to sit in an old, stuffy old right. radio studio. I can do the show right. right here in the labs and be very comfortable. It sounds like uh, the sound this couldn't yeah. have better sound. The, the best thing about it. Is, is the rejection. And I learned that from building antennas. I'm going to do something that's kind of cool. I'm talking into the front of the PR40. If I turn it around backwards... It talks into the back of it. You can't hear him. Nothing. <laughs> Bob Heil, hang on, because we got to take a break. HeilSound.com, Leo Laporte, the tech guy. More of your calls to come. In fact, if you want to ask about sound, this is the guy. We'll, we'll stay right here for a minute. <laughs> I love that. He disappeared just in time for the break. <laughs> Pardon me?
What was the first gig? You know. <laughs> right. That's what happened at Altamont, right. Wow. A Hell's Angels funeral. Yes. Now, you see my new laser that I'm in? I stole this from my son. This is going to be my Gizwiz uh, gadget. Oh. Look at that. Cool. I'm sorry. I don't mean to blind you. Yeah. <laughs> Look at that. Now, yeah, no, he, I won't point it at the sky. That's Does for he sure. know you have it? Your son? My son? No. Uh-huh. He's going to be mad at me when he... <laughs> and it comes with protective glasses. Uh. <laughs> I think that's a gimmick, but... <clears throat> I wouldn't aim it in my eye, that's for sure. Yeah, that's cool. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, the Gizwiz will join us in about uh, 10, and then we'll have the... Right after the radio show, we'll be the show. Let's see if I we thought- have any calls here. I'm, I'm going to do it. There's a call from Denmark I want to get to. The UPS virus... What kind of software can I use to put a logo on a webcast? I want a tablet for business use. Yeah, I'll do the. Uh, I'll do Andreas, since he's calling all the way from Denmark. Uh, cool Breeze wants to know how much uh, hand assembly is involved in making one of these uh, PR40s. We have to well the elements and stuff we have assembled our design of the diaphragm. The diaphragms modules come in, and then we assemble those into the mounting and then of course the connectors and all that uh, sometimes they're put depends on how what run we're doing but then it's all assembled and tested three times we test as the diaphragm was made they test all of that then they test it when the whole element's done and we test it when it's all ready to go into a cardboard box by plugging it into a jbl studio monitor and mi- a mixer and monitor amp and listen to it huh I am a nut. You want to hear it? Hear the, I hear want it. to hear it. Yeah. I want yeah. to hear it. And I don't, I bet you that there's not very many factories do that. They look at them on scopes. I'm sorry. That's not the ultimate. You yeah. have to listen. Because sometimes there's little there's something. nuance. You can't see it. Yeah, they yeah, still yeah. sound right. Yep. And they look right on the yeah. scopes. Yeah. Don't what, what happens? You throw it out or do you? Yeah. 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 Because you can't why, fix that. Why worry about it? Right. Just spend more time and money this pitch. Right. Yeah. I use a DeRoe meter. Do you know Mike DeRoe? Mm-mm. Ooh, great guy. Mm-hmm. Broadcast guy. He builds a digital. I hope you're going to introduce me to these people at NAB. I want to meet them all. Yep. You're not at NAB. Oh, you're having a party. Yeah. I'm coming to your party. Right. Right. <laughs> Maybe they'll all be at the That'd party. That'd be cool. Yeah, Mike, Mike's usually there. That'd be great. Yeah. Yeah. But Mike, every broadcast station I walk in has got his meters. So that. chat room asks, a night star who used to work for Atlas, which Atlas radio you mm-hmm. used? Mm-hmm. He must know which one you, you use. 210, I think it was. 210. Yeah, I think it was a 210. He's an AM broadcaster. Yeah. <laughs> AM ham. Yeah. I love that. Uh, let's see what else. Um, oh, of- is asking me about the pop filter. This We don't like this one. What's the one that we have BSW there? makes the one. Oh, it's It's, it's a metal filter from BSW, and B- it fits right on the spider that Hyle mm-hmm. sells. Well, it fits on the microphone. Oh, it's on the mic. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's right. It's on the mic. Yeah, it BSW makes this cool little filter all their own that's why i don't build it because they already right. did it so i just send people to one of our best dealers bsw i'll pull it up right now is this the repop yes the repop yeah and they make one specifically for our mic mm-hmm. actually that's the re20 it one. fits it's it not, it's the same thing it's the same, it's one? The same one the repop mm-hmm. oh yes this is get the one for the re27 that also fits a pr40 yeah. slightly wider barrel it is. Uh, you know, i got to buy about five more of these. I'm going to get rid of this one and use the repop on here, too. Yeah. Yeah. 40 bucks. Come on. All right, hang on. 
Bob Heil is in the studio with me. He's kind of my hero. The guy started technology radio in 1977. What were you talking about in 1977? Just all kinds of things like the Norelco tape recorder. <laughs> with actual tape. Yeah. The uh, little... We didn't have digital. ...cassettes, and then it went to CDs. And um, gosh, then we heard about this thing about some kind of a satellite thing, and I was a pioneer in that. In fact, I was one of the test team of DirecTV. Oh, the Hughes. Uh, uh, yes. Wow. Well, no, it's not that Hughes. It was actually Hubbard. Hughes, it was Hubbard. The Hubbard family right. in uh, Minneapolis. Pre-Hughes. They bought the first license. Wow. And I, as a ham, in, in the 1980s, started putting in a C-band satellite. And in 1989... Heil Sound was the, actually was Yield Music, was the number one dealer of the year. We got the award at the show of Satellite Dealer of the Year. That's cool. Because we put in thousands of them. But Leo, who but a ham could find that thing 22,000 miles in the sky? And so a lot of hams were early satellite dealers, and they, the companies would hire me to go out and teach them how to do things. And, of course, I would hook them up to audio, which nobody was doing yet. Right. And so we really developed some of the first home theater systems wow. in the early 80s. And it was really quite a, a, a neat thing and did all that. We, I really, you know, we owe so much to hams uh, in, in the modern world. And I don't, I don't know if uh, people are aware of, for instance, when they're using uh, the data networks on their, on their cell phones, on their smartphones. That was started by hams, General Packet Absolutely. Radio Service, GPRS. Oh, oh it goes back. I, the ham radio community, the telephone, the Bell Labs, uh, a lot of those guys were hams. But then it would, like the VCR would have never happened. Really? Television broadcasting would have never happened as fast as it did, or if it would have, the way that it did, because uh, a great portion of the engineers today are hams, and that's why Sarah and I, on the Wednesday night of NAB, host a party. We don't show our products there, because everybody that's in the broadcast industry, they know about our stuff. Thousands oh, yeah. of radio stations oh, yeah. are using them, and, and I rather spend time with them in this wonderful arena of ballroom B at the Hilton with uh, just seeing so many. Well, if, if you let us, we'd like to broadcast uh, oh, from that party. Can, it, can we do that? Yeah, it'd be great. All right, Wednesday night, we're going to be there. Wednesday night from 6 to 8. I'm bringing my cameras. Look out. <laughs> and and we, have, we give away a lot of prizes because people that aren't even in the business want to do things. Bob Heil, H-E-I-L-S-O-U-N-D.com. It's been great talking to you. I wish I had some more time. We do have to take a break. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. 8888-ASK-LEO. If you have a question, a comment, a suggestion, if there's something you'd like to talk about, in about an hour and a half, Steve Martin, about 1233, Steve Martin will call in. We have a kind of a regular check-in with Steve Martin. He's got a new album out. He's also this, you know, like big Twitterer. Steve Martin to go is his Twitter handle. And I imagine, I mean, he's an iPad user. I imagine uh, he's got the new iPad, too. We'll get his review as well. That's all coming up. Just a little bit, Scott Wilkinson, our home theater expert as well. Did you see this? Wow. MySpace. Uh, what, you remember MySpace? <laughs> they were this little thing before, uh, before Facebook came along. They dropped 10 million users last month. <laughs> That's got to hurt. 10 million unique users in one month. Uh, I guess it's kind of, can we say, uh, you know, mark the time, call it, it's over, MySpace. Actually, the funny thing about MySpace is uh, 
it still has a vast number of users. I mean, how many sites can you think of that could lose 10 million users and st it still have something like you know 200 million? Yikes. So it's not dead yet, but it's dying fast. Let me see. I'm trying to get the exact numbers out of this. This comes from Comscore, not from MySpace itself. But Comscore is a pretty reliable internet rating service. Um, ever have that happen? The internet just stops working for you. It's just frozen solid. I'm looking. I'm looking, and nothing. I get the I get the headline, but nothing. I, I I know the headline. MySpace visits dropped by 10 million users a month from PCMagazine.com, and it's just sitting there, stuck. You know you know what is going on here. This is PCMag.com, PC Magazine site. It's waiting for an ad to load. Isn't that frustrating? So the site, the the entire site is hung up because the ad server for this for whatever ad that I don't want to even see. There it is. Is sitting there. Thank you. Oh, now I can see the Visioneer Mobility Scanner ad that I didn't want to see that was holding the whole darn thing up. Thank you, Sony. Thank you, Visioneer. So MySpace traffic dropped 14%. Actually, no, you know, this is pretty bad, actually. It was 73 million in January, 63 million unique users in uh, February. At this rate, then no one will be using it by September. Wow. Rupert Murdoch's News Corp apparently has put this on the on the block. Remember, they began the year by laying off half the staff. I think it's pretty clear that either they're going to sell MySpace or they're going to shutter it. Amazing how this stuff happens. You know, I, I heard a, a term. Uh, it's actually a, in, a, in a book about the Smothers Brothers. It was David Steinberg talking. He called he used the term presentism. Not a very good word, presentism, but it but its meaning is absolutely uh, real. That we are kind of biased towards the way things are right now. So our bias is that uh, FaceTime, Facebook, and uh, Google, and uh, and Apple, they will live forever. Nothing could harm these companies. What could possibly go wrong? And ten years ago, you could have put Microsoft in that bin. I don't think people feel that way anymore. You could have put MySpace in that bin. 20, uh, 30 years ago, you could put IBM in that bin. Nothing could happen. IBM is the dominant computer company of all time. Nothing could go wrong. So those of us who are, you know, and there are a lot of us who say, oh, Google, Facebook, they're, they're too big to fail now. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Let's not be presentists. That is a terrible word. You know what word is now in the, in the dictionary? OMG, FYI. And LOL, the Oxford English Dictionary, which is an amazing dictionary that attempts to catalog every word in the English language, so I guess they couldn't leave it out. I don't know. Are these words? They've decided to add OMG, LOL, FYI. Amazingly enough, they already had IMHO and BFF. They are able to. One of the things that's fun about the Oxford English Dictionary is they show the first use of a term. Did you know? Did you know? OMG had its history tracked all the way back to 1917. To 19, the year before the big war. LOL used to mean little old lady. Remember that? I remember that. That was in the 60s. And FYI showed up in corporate lingo back in 1941. You know what else has made it in? And I don't know if this is a word. 
the heart symbol, not the not the emoticon less than three, the actual graphic for a heart. <laughs> I can just imagine the uh, the professors at the Oxford English Dictionary calling the printer and say, "I say, do you have a heart? What? Do you have a heart symbol? We need a, we need a heart for the dictionary. Oh no, what you're talking about, Governor? How do you spell heart? No, no, heart, just like a picture of a. We don't put pictures in the Oxford English Dictionary. No, that's right. It, it's a word, the heart word. O M G, I'm L O Ling. F Y I. I guess if you're going to include every word, you got to include that, right? What else are you going to do? Leonard Nimoy and William Shatner both celebrating birthdays this week. A tip, a tip of the mug. A tip of the, uh, what, what was it they drank? That blue thing, that blue liquor they drank on Star Trek. 80 years old, both Shatner and Nimoy. Captain Kirk and Mr. Spock are 80 years old. Wow. And that makes you feel old, doesn't it? Happy birthday to the two of them. They actually both look great. They're both doing great. Can a bacteria violate copyright law? Apparently it can, according to... <laughs> I love this story. According to the heirs of, uh, of James Joyce. See, um, they're getting now to the point where they can design uh, bacteria. They're designing life. Back in 2010, J. Craig Venter, the, the guy who cracked the human genome, announced the creation of the first synthetic life form... They took uh, they took this little this little bug, Mycoplasma capricolum, a little bacteria. They injected DNA into it, and they created a new life form, Mycoplasma mycoides, to uh, differentiate the synthetic DNA from naturally occurring DNA. They actually inserted a couple of quotes. One from physicist Richard Feynman into the DNA. The other from James Joyce's novel, A Portrait of the Artist of the, as a Young Man. Believe it or not, the estate of James Joyce, the author of that novel, has asked them <laughs> to remove the offending quote, it's a violation of copyright. Well, I'm afraid it's too late, this thing... <laughs> What are they going to do? Kill all the bacteria? That would be genocide. They coded uh, the, the quote, to live, I hope I can say this so it won't get sued. Can I say this? I think I can. The quote is, to live, to err, to fall, to triumph, to recreate life out of life. That's a, that's a good quote. They encoded that in, into the DNA of the bug. They also took a quote from uh, Richard Feynman, the great physicist from Caltech. His quote, actually it's a kind of misphrase, but the, the, that's all right, paraphrase. What I cannot build, I cannot understand. Both very appropriate to building life. Feynman, uh, the, the folks at Caltech even were a little upset. They sent a uh, picture to uh, Ventner, a uh, photo of the blackboard in which he put the quote, and it showed that he actually wrote, what I cannot create, I do not understand. That's close. <laughs> They, uh, they're actually going back to fix the Feynman quote. I don't know how they're going to handle the James Joyce quote. 88, it's, what a world. OMG, FYI. 8888-ASK-LEO, that's the phone number. Let's talk about tech. You and me, Leo Laporte, the tech guy.
Podcast. Now, Scott Wilkinson, do you recognize this fine Celtic music? I do indeed. Indeed, I do. It's me playing the recorder on that. I don't know where you got this, Kyle. <laughs> I can't. Kyle's amazing. He, well, he he's pretty amazing. That's true. That is uh, an, a traditional I think Irish Scott's tune. Amazing. He says he thinks you're amazing. <laughs> well, thank you. So, yes, where is is that recording uh, on the internet? It must be. That must be where he got it. No, actually, I sent it to him. Oh, you sent it to him. <laughs> he asked oh, me. I cheated. Oh, I get it. It is, it is on uh, the album that my wife and I recorded uh, some years ago. Uh, it's a traditional Irish tune on which she is playing guitar. Uh, I'm playing recorder. Uh, we also had a fiddle player and a piano player. And uh, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a jaunty little tune. A jaunty little number. <laughs> Scott is the editor-in-chief of the Ultimate AV Magazine, ultimateavmag.com, and the uh, and the guy in charge of... Uh, Steve Martin's calling me. Hold on a second. I just I should, oh. I should just say hi to Steve. Of course you should. <laughs> Steve. <laughs> Steve. Steve. Steve, can I call you in an hour? <laughs> hey, Leo. <laughs> hey, Steve. We're, we're in the middle of another segment. Can I call you back in about an hour? You're looking yeah, great. I want to make sure it worked. I'll call you later. It, it looks great. Bye. Bye, bye Steve. <laughs> Right. Take care. Hey, Steve, I love your stuff, oh, man. Oh, two ladies fan. gone. Oh, no. <laughs> that was a cute I have been thing. a fan of his for a long time. <laughs> okay. Sorry to interrupt. I know. Right. I know. We should ask him about home theater. He probably he has should. one. Maybe he has one. Maybe he needs some help. I'd be happy to help him. I will tell him that. We're going to talk Please. to him in about an hour. Okay, great. That was the cutest thing ever. <laughs> Um, and he is a uh, this guy Scott Wilkinson is a uh, is a home theater expert a columnist for uh, home theater magazine at hometheatermag.com and uh, joins us every week around this time if Steve Martin doesn't butt in <laughs> to talk about home theater hi Scott hey Steve can butt, butt in anytime he wants I know what a great I mean he's just wonderful I know, you oh, know, it's been fun guy. getting to know him through the, through the Twitter yeah yeah so now he's a radio show crasher He's got a new. He's got. We're going to talk about his new album that just came out. Uh, kind of oh, similar yeah, music. That's right. He's a banjo player. He's, he's a great actually. Banjo player. Uh, yeah, he is a very good banjo player. Uh, yeah, I'd love quite, to have him on proficient. some of my work. Well, I'll tell him. Please do. I'll say if you need a wind guy. Right. Yeah. Right. If he if he needs a wind guy, I'm available. His new his new uh, album is called Rare Bird Alert. Oh, cool. I think that he's doing a. Uh, he just did a, a movie about birding. Anyway, we'll talk yeah. about that. We'll talk about that. I'll look. I'll be listening in. Absolutely. So, what can we talk about in the home theater realm? Oh well, there's plenty to talk about. Um, first of all, first of all, I must amend something I said last week. Oh. Uh, oh no. <laughs> yes, I must. <laughs> we were talking about electrical grounding. Yes. Remember that? Yes. And I was. Uh, you, talking I hope about, no one has died from our advice. Well, yeah, exactly. Uh, I hope not too. Um, I said something about taking all the ground connectors in a in the outlets and connecting them to a stake in the ground. Yeah. Now, uh, several electricians have written me since then and said, "Well, yes, but you have to make sure you connect it through the electrical panel. You can't just put it straight to the ground." Oh, interesting. Um, I, I must admit, I'm not 100% sure why that is, but. There, several emails from electricians said, in no uncertain terms. Yeah, sounds like we killed somebody. I hope yeah. we didn't. Don't. I hope. Okay, we didn't. can I just say this? If you're if you're getting advice on how to handle electricity from us, <laughs> you shouldn't. <laughs> Bad idea. 
I was just talking conceptually here. <laughs> <laughs> just to be perfectly clear. It's just a concept. It was just a concept of how to do the it. The fault now, protection know. circuit must go through the service entrance panel to, yes. to function. Precisely correct. Okay. So I just wanted to make Let's sure. be clear about that. Understood that, yes. Okay. <laughs> okay, now that we have that out of the way, yes. I can talk about some other listener questions that have come into my inbox this week. Um, one was... In terms of calibrating a television or even setting it up, just doing the basic user controls of brightness and contrast, uh, the question was, do I do that with dynamic contrast ah. turned on or off? Ah. And this is a very good question because virtually all TVs come with something called dynamic contrast, which changes the overall amount of light coming off of the TV depending on the overall brightness of the scene. So if you're in a bright snow-covered mountain daylight scene, it's very bright. If you're at night, say, for example, or, or in a dark room, say, for example, the, um, the opening scene from Master and Commander. Oh, yeah, that was so dark. It was so dark. It's yeah. one of my favorite scenes for testing something called shadow detail. Otherwise, it's a big blob, black blob. Exactly, exactly. A good TV, you'll be able to see subtle variations between uh, one level of darkness and another slightly different level of Th darkness. That's because it's, it's in the film. That's why people used, and I, I guess they're not using it as much anymore, but they used film. I'm sure that movie was shot on film because it had that capability. You yeah. could get detail in the darkest, darkest scenes, but yep. these modern digital panels, uh, if they're not really good, may not show that detail. That's correct. Now, I'm sure you can capture it in, in uh, digital as well as on film uh, with the new digital cameras that they're starting to use quite a bit now. Uh, but, but you're exactly right that it's the display where the weakness is, where the problem mm -hmm. could potentially be for the most part. Um, <clears throat> so that's one of the things I look at when reviewing TVs is, where, is how well it displays this shadow detail. Right. Anyway, back to the question of, do I turn dynamic contrast on or off? And the dynamic contrast system in a dark scene like that will lower the overall light level coming out. So you get an, an effective increase in dynamic range or contrast. The problem with it is, for me, I can see it working in many cases. You know, you can see the black level rise and fall um, as particularly in a scene, uh, well, in particularly in movies where you have a black bar on the top and bottom uh -huh. of, of the screen, uh -huh. you can see that black bar, the, the blackness of that black bar change as the dynamic contrast. Oh, that's not good. I don't want it's that. It's not good. I no. don't want that either. I don't no. like that. No. So I turn dynamic contrast off. Dynamic is bad. <clears throat> well, I think it is. Now, my colleague and good friend Tom Norton, he likes it. And really? Yeah. So he, in fact calibrates with dynamic contrast on because that's how he watches real material. Okay, and so what you're saying is it's a matter of taste. Yes. Bad taste in Tom's case and your good taste in yours. <laughs> I would never say no, that. I'm just teasing. But so Tom, that so sure but there isn't there isn't a right answer, but you should know what the difference is. Correct. Correct. And you should set up your TV based upon which way you prefer to watch. I never material. watch in dynamic. I, I, I didn't even realize that dynamic was changing things. So, I, But I never watch in dynamic. I usually watch there's a movie sometimes or... Um, ah, well, now you're talking about two different things. Well, that's you're not the same thing. No, it's not the same thing. Because I have a setting that's, uh, you know, all that's the different dynamic. settings that's dynamic. 
Right. Now that is, uh, that setting that you're talking about is of a parameter called picture mode. Or I think in the case of the Pioneer, I think they just call it picture. Right. I'm not 100% sure, but it's picture mode. And it may very well be. Now what the, what the picture mode does is it sets up, it's a preset that automatically sets up the contrast and the brightness and all the controls, including dynamic contrast, which is a different control. And in the dynamic mode, I would not be at all surprised if dynamic contrast was turned on. Whereas in, say, the movie mode, dynamic contrast might very well be turned off. Dynamic is that setting that we always tell people not to use because that's what's, what is, what's in the store because it, it pops at you. Correct. That's yeah. exactly correct. And, and it's important for having in the store so that it's, it's very bright and dynamic. But in your home, you don't live in a showroom. Scott Wilkinson, ultimateavmag.com. Hang on, Scott. I want to talk a little more about this in a second. You bet. Or vivid. Exactly. Yeah. I, I have dynamic in mind. I think that's what Pioneer calls it. Yes, exactly. So, because so I have great. to, get, I have to find out now from you where, 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 where is this dynamic mode? This is in the contrast. Really made to do. Um, it's in the picture sure menu. Cat pictures, or you can print your. It's own in the picture menu. Yeah, but the, the dynamic you were talking about for calibration purposes. Right, that's what I mean. It's in the picture menu. If you want, I can zoom over to my Kuro and. Uh, no, no, that's fine. I, I just, exactly we want. No, we don't care about me. We care about everybody listening. I, I so can, they understand I can the, that in the distinction. Terms. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Sure. No problemo. So convenient, so easy to use. <clears throat> By the way, I heard your uh, your conversation yesterday with uh, Bob Heil. Very nice. Oh, isn't Bob great? We're, we're, he's going to do a ham show for uh, for the network. I guess. Oh, that's great. That's great. This is kind of funny. I don't. <laughs> you recognize it? Yeah. I can't believe he still sings his song. Did you do the monkey? Born in Arizona, the Babylonia King. It's good. It's good. He's actually, yeah. Let me play. I'll play the uh, title cut. He's quite an amazing banjo player. Don't have no songs. Oh, I remember that. Oh, that yeah. is so cool. Yeah. That that thing right there, that YouTube is just amazing. Yeah. Atheists yeah. ain't got no song. <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> These people have such beautiful music. Hey, let me um and let me uh Kyle play this coming back, okay? Cool. So you just cue me on it, alright? Will do. Okay, thanks. Until now. I won't play the uh, spoken intro. <laughs> oh, man. It's a little cut. Might be a little. called Atheists Don't Have No Songs. 
Christians have. Christians have their hymns and pages. Hymns and pages. Havanagilas for the Jews. For the Jews. Baptists have the Rock of Ages. Rock of Ages. Atheists just sing the blues. <laughs> Romantics play. Romantics play. Claire de Claire de Born again. Sing he is risen. But no one ever wrote a tune, wrote a tune, forgotten existentialism. <laughs> For atheists, there's no good news, they'll never sing a song of faith. In their songs, they have a rule, the he is always lowercase. <laughs> Alright, so I'm going to cue this one up. You tell me when to start playing, and I will play that. Hey, I have it on my end. Is oh, yeah, go ahead. You play it. Uh, I wasn't going to play the godless atheist, though. Oh, you weren't? No, it's, I don't want to. That's a little controversial. I don't want to get okay, in religion. I was just going to play Rare Bird Alert. Do you have other songs from that? I, I do, but there's 10 seconds, so I'll let you play it on your I'll play end. It. Okay? I'll, I'll play give it. you the countdown. Five. You're downloading stuff. Go ahead and hit it. Steve Martin from his new CD, Rare Bird Alert. We'll talk to Steve in about 45 minutes. I owe you, Scott, because he interrupted. <laughs> so I'm gonna give hey, you a I'll, few... I'll be interrupted by Steve Martin anytime. <laughs> I'm going to give you a few extra minutes. This is so good. I love it. This, this new CD, Rare Bird Alert, actually is really fun for Steve Martin fans. He has some very funny material as well as just instrumental banjo work, which, of course, he's amazing at. But he does, a, he does a King Tut, which was a big hit for him. In the, I think in the 70s. 70s, yeah. yeah. I remember him singing that on Saturday Night Live. And he also does a very funny song, which he did on Letterman a couple of weeks ago, called Atheists Don't Have No Songs. And it's <laughs> it's a hoot. It's, it's a super hoot. You it's can find a, it on YouTube. I yeah. found, that's where I found it yeah. on YouTube. It's him yeah. singing live with a, a gospel quartet. Oh, yeah. Great, well, it's great gospel quartet. It's not the Steep Canyon Rangers. It's somebody else. It might be. It might be. It might very well yeah, be the same. He plays with the, this great bluegrass. Play. Anyway, we'll, we'll talk to Steve in about 45 minutes. But we were talking, and I, wanted, I, didn't, I didn't want to uh, end without explaining this calibration issue. You got an, yeah. an email from a, a, a listener. In fact, I've gotten a number of emails. I just got an email the other day from a listener who said, we got a brand new HDTV. Do we have to calibrate it? Mm. And uh, I suggested a, a, a DVD that you and I have talked about before that I use. I, I'm cheap. I didn't want to spend 400 bucks on a calibration, a guy <laughs> coming in. Uh, so yeah. I bought this Digital Video Essentials mm -hmm. uh, DVD. There's a Blu-ray version and a DVD version. I got the, the Blu-ray version and, and used that. And it, yep. it, it you know, gets you, I don't know, 50%, 70% of the oh, way. Oh, 70 or 80% the way there, probably. Probably. If you, again, we were talking earlier about the picture mode, which is one of the first parameters in any TV's picture menu. If you hit the menu button on the remote, you'll come up with several menus. Picture, sound, setup, some other things. If you go into the picture menu, one of the first parameters there is going to be called picture mode or mode or picture or something like that. And it's going to have several selections. And we were talking about this earlier. One, And it's probably going to default to vivid or dynamic, which is great for a store showroom, but people don't live in a store showroom, so they really don't want that setting. <laughs> they want the setting 
called movie or cinema. And that sometimes bugs people because it's darker. At first, it doesn't look as exciting. Correct. Correct. And I always say, please, please, just live with it for a little while. Get used to it. Because in the end, you're going to have a much more comfortable, much more pleasant, much more accurate picture. Right. That that you're really going to like in the long run. I, I almost guarantee it. So uh, uh, cinema or movie cinema or something or like movie that. Or something like that. Then what you want to do is you want to take a disc like Digital Video Essentials, or in the case of Blu-ray, it's called Digital Video Essentials HD Basics. Mm-hmm. And uh, you want to set what are called the basic user controls. And those are contrast, brightness, sharpness, color, and tint. Sometimes uh, color is called saturation. Sometimes tint is called hue and uh, <clears throat> the the disc will help you set those controls precisely for your particular TV here's the key even though you, you might have the same model TV as your next-door neighbor there might be there probably are in fact set slight differences in the precisely correct settings of each of those controls because there are sample variations you know mm-hmm. resistors come off the line and they're plus or minus one percent or five percent or something. So each of each TV, even from one sample to the next of a given model, is going to have slightly different settings. So if you want to, if you want your TV to look its best, almost its best, then you set those controls as you did with Digital Video Essentials, right. and that will get you, I'd say, easily eighty percent of the way there in most cases, at least. Then if you want that extra twenty percent, if you're a serious video file. Uh, you could call in a calibrator and spend several hundred dollars. Uh, But, you know, for most people, setting up those basic controls with Digital Video Essentials or High Definition Benchmark by Spears and Munsill. um, Oh, so there are other discs as well. There are other discs, not just Digital Video Essentials. That's that's one of the best known ones. Right. But Spears and Munsill is also a very good one. And that will get you most of the way there, and you'll really see... A beautiful picture, the best picture almost that uh, the, that that TV can produce. Perhaps even really the best picture that a calibration wouldn't really improve significantly. So that's that's what I think you need to do. And we get back to this dynamic contrast issue, which is in, also in the picture menu along with contrast, brightness, sharpness, color, tint. There's a an, a, a, an item called dynamic contrast or something like that. And you can turn that on or off. Sometimes there's low, medium, high, or off. And when you turn that on, as I was explaining earlier, the overall level of light coming off the the screen changes. The black level and the white level, in other words, changes depending on whether it's a dark scene or a bright scene. Some people prefer it, like my friend Tom. Others don't, like me. Uh, So you turn that on or off, and uh, I would set these basic user controls uh, with that control on or off, uh, depending on whether you want to watch regular content with it that way. Now, another guy, Bob Williams, the chief product architect at Runco, a very smart guy, uh, he thinks it's always better to calibrate, set the contrast and uh, calibrate the grayscale with the dynamic contrast off Uh, because it typically compresses the high end. So the difference between almost pure white and truly pure white gets lost Mm. with dynamic contrast on. 
And you want to be able to set that contrast level uh, accurately. And so if you have dynamic contrast on, you might not be able to do that is what he's saying. So he'd rather see everybody set those controls with dynamic contrast turned off and then turn it on if you want to, if you prefer the look of the picture that way. So, so there, are, there is some controversy about this. This is not a clear-cut issue. Um, the clear-cut issue is don't, let the, don't keep the TV in the picture mode called vivid or dynamic because that's going to hurt your eyeballs. You're going to need sunglasses. You know, future's so bright, I, I'm going to need shades, <laughs> yeah. as it were. <laughs> Don't wear sunglasses while you're calibrating your TV either. This That's also true. A good yeah. tip. <laughs> and, you know, those 3D glasses, you don't wear them when you're calibrating. Hey, do you calibrate 3D TVs differently than you calibrate 2D TVs? Yes, great question. And absolutely the answer is yes, if you can. Now, here's the problem. There are no... 3D calibration discs available. Oh. There's nothing yet available. I know people are working on it. Are there certifications for 3D calibrators? Can I hire somebody to do this? Uh, no, actually. Okay. I don't think so. I don't think ISF or THX certifies 3D uh. calibration. Now, they, THX does certify 3D TVs. I believe, they, I believe they do have some internal test patterns that are 3D that allow them to measure and calibrate and test 3D TVs in their 3D mode. But here's the problem. If you only have 2D test patterns and you play them on a TV that is capable of doing 3D, that TV may or may not have what's called a 2D to 3D conversion. Uh. If it does, then you're fine. You can calibrate a 3, the 3D mode of a 3D TV because it'll take the 2D image coming from your Blu-ray player and convert it into 3D. And then what you do is you aim your, uh, you, you, you put on your glasses and you set the controls. Uh, but some TVs do not have a 2D to 3D conversion. So if you send them a 2D signal and you put them, force them into their 3D mode, you see two images and it, it's all messed up on the screen and you can't really do anything. So this is a problem that is addressed by the newest crop of Panasonic Blu-ray players, which have a 2D to 3D mode or conversion in the player. So this is really important for those of us who are geeks and want to tweak our TVs, uh, because then it doesn't matter whether the TV has a 2D to 3D mode, it's in the player. So any... 2D disc, test disc, or one of these setup discs can be played in, quote, 3D, sent to the TV oh. in its 3D mode, and okay. it works just fine. Okay. But you're not so really that, calibrating it exactly. Well, you, you are. You are. I mean, you're you, getting brightness and contrast and all that yeah. stuff. Yeah. You okay. can do all that stuff. Okay. Plus, you can, in fact, calibrate the more, the more comprehensive calibration. Should, should um, you do two separate calibrations then? One for yes. 2D and one for 3D? Okay. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, because the light levels are way different. The colors are somewhat different. The whites are somewhat Can different. Can you, you save the calibration for each separately? Yep. Yep. Okay. Generally speaking, you can. Most TVs have a separate memory for those two calibrations. And you have to go so far as to take a meter. When you're doing a real calibration, you have this really expensive meter that you're pointing at the TV. Right. You put the glasses over the meter's lens so that it, it sees exactly what you're seeing when you look, put the glasses on your eyes.
Thank you, Scott, for explaining that. Uh, home theater expert Scott Wilkinson is at ultimateavmag.com. More to come right after this. I love this CD, I gotta tell you. But Ace, for some reason, I all I can see is on my iPhone is. Uh, I can see you. It says headphones and mute. That's all I can see. <laughs> well, it's you don't need to see me, Steve. I'm, I'm telling you, it doesn't change. The picture doesn't change. But I do yeah, see but you. Yeah, I like to see myself. <laughs> <laughs> I can't. I can't get rid of this thing. It won't go away. What do I do? <laughs> Where's my escape button? <laughs> Steve Martin's on his uh, on his iPhone and FaceTiming into us, which is great. The sound quality is excellent. What's going on here? Oh, now he's sideways. Oh my God. Uh, oh well, my. I'm trying to get rid of this thing. <laughs> Hide sources. There we go. There. there you go. Now can hey, you see I'm yourself? Back. Yeah. I can see myself. You've heard of Steve Martin. He uh, he is uh, well. Of course, according to the uh, CD, a human cannonball, among other things. Have you uh, actually well. have you actually done that? Never done that. Now my iPhone stand is falling. I bought this little stand. It worked great last time I talked to you, and now it's playing dirty tricks on me. These, it's it's a it's a tech item, of course. So it's, of course it's not working. Then the tech items never work on this show. So Steve's last uh, CD, we, we we talked about called the Crow Banjo, great banjo album. You've got a new one just came out last week called Rare Bird Alert. And That's uh, right. And by the way, I got to show you this. You geeks will. Oh, this is driving me. What did I pay for this? <laughs> Maybe that'll work. Maybe this will work. Okay. Look at this. Vinyl. Wow. They made a vinyl, vinyl. version? Absolutely. Why? Yeah. Why? Uh, I don't know. That seems to be a hot item for certain people. It's the kids today. The kids buy vinyl again, oddly enough. I don't... Yeah, people are buying vinyl. Uh, it's very weird. Well, it's a and wonderful you, album. You got Sir Paul McCartney singing on it in a beautiful love yeah. song. I just love and the Dixie Chicks. The Sir Dixie Chicks. Yep. Mm -hmm. And yeah. you do, and you do, and I guess you did this in your concert. You do King Tut. Uh, we do. We we. Uh, I put that on there so uh, people would know that our live show is actually. You know, I think people when they go see uh, actors who do a music show, they worry that it's they're they're trying to be rock stars and they're right. turn their backs on the audience and and just uh, play solid music. But we really do a show, and I, I put that on there so they know we we also do humor. But there's a lot by of. By the way, I. Go ahead. There's a lot of YouTube video also of your shows. Yeah, there is a lot of that. Yeah. So people are interested. Uh, by the way, I figured out how to resolve my, my tech issues from last time with the time zone and all that. Yeah. And what I do is I don't worry about it. I have a sort of, <laughs> uh, what do they call it, uh, workarounds yeah. that work for me. It means yeah. I can never I can never adjust the time zone I'm in on my computer. I can't do that. Right. It means I can never get internet time. So I have to tell my computer I'm always in Pacific time zone. Right. And then and then I have all these kind of workarounds. And then every two years, when I get a new computer, I do about every two years. Yeah. Then I have to remember everything I've done. And that takes about a day. And then I'm, <laughs> I'm good for another two years. So I don't worry about it. That's not I don't bad. I have to call, call you up every other week. If, if you call me every two years, I'd be happy. Oh, well, well yeah. Or sooner. How much? How much for a house call? <laughs> <laughs> anytime, anytime. So I, I, I did want to uh, ask you because you, 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 you uh, I know you had some iPads, the original iPad. Did you go out and get an iPad too? No, I haven't yet because I, I know as soon as I had some time to go get one, I, I all I heard was sold out. Right. So I was going to wait. Yeah, they are and, pretty much. Uh, but I will get one. Are they? Is it, you think it's a, a good thing to? Uh, you know, you have. You know, I use I use an iPad on stage as a set list. I know. I've seen pictures of you, yeah. and I think mm -hmm. that's cool. But you oh, it works fantastic. So so it, so on there is just the the, the songs you're going to play. 
you're holding the iPad too. Can you hand me that through? Yeah, the, would you like that? The, I'll just uh, yeah, shove that just through hand the, it through. Thank the you. camera there. Uh, it's, new iPhones are amazing. <laughs> it's so thin; it just fits right through. Um, I like them; they're lighter. But you know, I don't think there's a whole lot more unless you wanted to use the camera for some reason. I don't think there's a whole lot of reason to run out and buy an iPad. Yeah, so. I didn't. I didn't know, but you don't need the camera. Do. do you? Do you? Do, so you, do my, you do? My any, question for you. Or yeah. You, you ask. Go ahead. You're well, the, I was just going to say. Uh, Mr. Interlocutor, do you do any uh, any other social stuff, uh, media stuff, maybe under a phony name and with a mustache no. and stuff? No. No, I don't. I uh, well, I, I do the mustache. Oh, but that's just around the house. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, I uh, no, I don't. I do Twitter, and that's pretty much it. I have I have a, a sort of a moribund Facebook page that we did for the first record. Mm -hmm. I think the uh, record company did that, but I I don't really understand that and I, I, uh, Twitter's enough. You seem One like you, you enjoy Twitter. I do enjoy it and I sometimes I wake up in the morning and lay, uh, lie there and, and think what will I say today? How interesting. And sometimes like three things come to me and I write them down for maybe the next couple of days and sometimes just nothing comes <laughs> and I uh, and sometimes I tweet I have nothing, <laughs> you, and people seem to enjoy that as much. You you have been of late replying a lot to people, which is great. So you're actually engaging well, in conversations. Well, I didn't know how to at first, and I didn't know whether I should be afraid of it because it might instigate some kind of, I don't know what, you know, some kind of, uh, somebody might get too excited or something. <laughs> so I didn't know what, what to do. You're afraid somebody, <laughs> somebody, oh, my God, he's replied to me. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. And uh, and then I found it, but I, I like I say I really enjoy the the when pe people genuinely have funny responses, and I, I write them down and save them. I th I think they're they're really funny. I sort of save them in a file, and I I get some really funny responses. I should have I should have uh, had them a little handy. Maybe I do have some handy. But I, I, I just love I love the so. stuff the one-liners you throw in here. I mean, and I think they're yeah. if people aren't following Steve Martin to go, that's Steve's official Twitter uh, yeah. account. You should be. But I do. I think that what is kind of interesting, you know, I I, um, I spent some time with Regis Philbin showing him how to use uh, Twitter about a month ago, mm -hmm. and he kind of had this. Um, it felt like an epiphany. Oh my gosh, I can have a conversation. I mean, here's a guy who's been in show business for sixty years. I can have a conversation in real time with fans. And kind of break down that fourth wall, and it, I think yeah, he really well, I, dug it. Yeah, I, I never quite believed in you know a fan to me is someone who's sixteen and <laughs> you know adores right. a teen idol. That's a fan. Right. An adult is not really a you know a, a fan. There's there's someone who sort of occasionally sees a movie. To me, you know, they're not an obsessed fan. So. I don't think of adults as fans. There are people that sometimes like what you do and sometimes they don't like what you do. So, uh, you know, I never catered to fandom. Right. I tried to make as good a product as I could. And then, you know, that, that group you call fans is always changing. People are coming in and people are going out. So. But it is different when you're a celebrity on Twitter and interacting with people. It's not quite the same. And yet, I think yeah, because yeah. of the filter of Twitter, maybe it is a little bit more like a, a natural interaction. I don't know. Uh, maybe I I, uh, I always get confused when people say, "Oh, please follow me." 
Yeah, that doesn't make any sense. And I think, why? Why? What, what difference does it make? You know, I don't know what to do. <laughs> that makes no uh, sense at all. <laughs> yeah, you know, or please say hi or something. Right. Right. Uh, you know, I, I I really respond to people who, you know, that are, that I that have said something funny, and I want to let them know I thought it was funny. Sometimes you just can't respond. You, you might get four or five hundred responses to a a tweet, and you just can't. You know, it's just too much. Right. Right. But, but um, now you are saving. We 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 uh, talked offline a little bit, and uh, uh, we we set up for you um, an account with uh, Gina Trapani's uh, Think Up. Oh yes, and so you are saving these tweets and all the responses. Uh, I I no, I save responses, the ones that I can read, and if I think they're they're you know funny or kind of interesting, I cut and paste them really right. into. But 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 Think Up it. is saving them, whether you want to or not you're saving all of that stuff oh i asked her and and she said they don't you have to kind of specify oh okay i, I, I was a little unclear you have to kind of specify so you don't care about that, that stuff. particular thing and i think it's easier actually just to cut and paste steve we gotta take a break yeah. hold on for just a minute because i want to okay. place a little bit more of this cd steve martin is with us leo laporte okay. the tech guy sorry that snuck up on me i didn't get my normal warning that we were running out of time or i would have can you stick around for a minute more Oh, yeah. Oh, thank you. I appreciate it. I don't want to waste your beautiful Sunday hey, afternoon. I don't want to waste your caller's time either. Ah, they the heck need, with them. need to talk to you. Ah, the heck with them. They're, they're, <laughs> they're a lonely they're bunch. computer hell. Yeah. <laughs> Most of them are, yeah. I, I, you know, when I, I, when I downloaded the uh, album on iTunes, it's great because you get the digital pamphlet with it. So I could read all the liner notes. And I love the liner notes on this. Oh, thank just you. I, I work hard at them, actually. Yeah, no, I can tell. You, you're trying to give value. Oh, we're still, you're off the air now. We're off the radio, but we're on the internet. I understand, yeah. You know what I thought we might do is, I, I, I'm sort of loathe to self-promote, but, you know, we might, there's a couple of things on my website, like previous funny stuff. Let's do it. Let's do it. Yeah, we could go, go there and kind of explore, because people can go back and go through stuff I've posted there that, uh, that I think actually are kind of funny. Have you ever considered blogging or anything else like that? I guess it's not really your your thing. Well, Twitter is kind of a blog. Isn't it is. It? It's an easy blog, a mini blog. Yeah. Yeah, that seems like it's a lot of work to blog. It's like essays, and I, I do take care with writing. Right. You know? Right. And I just don't want to rush something out. Yeah, I, I understand completely. Yeah. Um, and, oh, actually, the CD is on here too. That's good. So you can down click here to enter and down. Oh, that's a contest. I'm looking at download a new free. Oh, your free song. Oh, that's neat. You can download a free song. Oh, that's cool. And then you can go. I was looking to see what like a funny response if I can find one. On You've been doing a lot of stuff. A lot of appearances and things. We're looking at the site right now on the screen. You don't. You're just seeing me sitting here, but there's other. There's Pardon other, me. You're just seeing me sitting here, but there's other stuff on the screen. I understand. I, I, I'm afraid to uh, log into you. It might. No, yeah, don't. It'll confuse the hell out of you. No big yeah. Yeah. So I'm going into my website, and if you click on previous funny stuff. I see it. The third the third finger down. Yeah. People say the music business is suffering, but it's not. Here's a three cent check. Yeah. <laughs> those are actual those are real checks. 
<laughs> what are they from? Are they from really old albums or? No, no, they're from like The Crow. Oh my those God! Are from, those are royalties. Those from are royalty The Crow, checks. three cents. Wow. <laughs> well, well, look below. There's another three cent one, and then below there's that, a seven. there's a seven. You get a, you, you get know. thirteen cents in total. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Steve Martin saved GPS locations leaked. <laughs> so yeah, that's a lot of work. You write all of, all of this. That's I love. Yeah, the, I, I get help. I get help from a friend of mine who who uh, contributes too. On, on only on these, not on not on the tweets. Sometimes but, on these. But there's a you, you, there's a geek culture thing which he or she, or you obviously get about these check ins. I mean that's that what the, the kind of the geek culture of checking checking in you get obviously. Alex Baldwin, Alec Baldwin's resentments awareness class. <laughs> Frontier hearing aids and dry cell battery crotch pouch. <laughs> These are great. These are great. I, would see that I loved the uh, handwritten notes from the tour. That was great. Yeah, are you going out? Uh, are you going to tour with this, this new my CD? My tour writer. That got a lot of... Uh, oh, that attention. was hysterical. I saw that. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Are you going to tour again with this uh, CD? Yeah, we're going out in May, end of May, end of June, July, and August. They're great. And we're playing on the, on the mall, Washington, D.C. Mall, on oh, July wow. 4th. Oh, that's wonderful. Let's mention that. Yeah. That's great. Here we go. Okay. Leo, Carbonite Consumer, Lively okay. Breed. singing from uh, Steve Martin's new CD, Rare Bird Alert. This is actually a beautiful... Yeah, Blessed Love, a beautiful love song, which I really enjoyed. How was it? How hard was it to get Paul McCartney to sing on your CD? Well, it's such a long story, uh, but uh, it started with emails. And I. Uh, it's so funny. Uh, to, I, I recorded the song with me singing it and me playing it onto my iPhone... <laughs> And then I, I got a, a contact for Sir Paul and emailed him the song. Wow. And then he emailed back and he said, yeah, I'll do it. It's just and beautiful. And we communicated through email through the whole time. Yeah. The uh, the, the Rare Bird Alert title cut uh, you wrote while you were doing a, a movie up in Vancouver. Yeah, we're doing a movie. It'll be out in October. And it's called The Big Year. It's with Owen Wilson and uh, Jack Black. Can't I want, wait to, I want to call everybody Sir now. I want to say Sir, Sir, Jack, Sir Black Jack Black and Sir Owen Wilson. It's only a matter of time. And, uh, and it's about competitive bird watching. <laughs> <laughs> it is. <laughs> and if that doesn't make you want to see it, I can't think of anything <laughs> that will. And the rare you bird. Know, there are many apps. There, there is. Are many apps there, for bird watching. Right. And there's a rare bird alert email, right? Yes, that you can get that. You can call in. You can read your code, speak your code, and get a rare bird alert. And that's where the title of that song came from, actually. The, and the title of the album. I know you enjoy playing the banjo. It's a very different uh, form of uh, activity for you, and you're so good at it. And it's such a great CD. If people haven't uh, purchased it yet, it's on iTunes for $10. Amazon has it. I guess there's still record stores somewhere selling vinyl versions of it, too. Um, Rare Bird Alert with the uh, 
Steep Canyon Rangers. And you were telling me off the air that you're going to be performing at the mall on the 4th of July. That's right, with the Rangers. And, uh, you know, that long, they sort of a long all-day show, I guess. Wow, that's and great. And we'll be there. That's great. We're going to premiere a new song there. Uh, this uh, story is called uh, Me and Paul Revere. It's, <laughs> I've just written this song. It's about the, the Paul Revere's ride. And it's uh, kind of a thrilling song. It's based on the new new facts that have emerged about Paul Revere's ride. And, and I've written it uh, from the point of view of Paul Revere's horse. <laughs> <laughs> we finally, I guess that, that diary that the horse kept uh, has finally surfaced. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it actually came out in a book by David Hackett Fisher. And it's called Paul Revere's Ride. It's a very interesting book. Uh, can't wait to read it. Steve also has a great website. Uh, I, I'm going to give you a plug here because it's really fun. It's called stevemartin.com. And there is, if you look on the right under the menu, there is previous funny stuff is a way to go back and see more uh, about, uh, I mean, I, I can't believe these royalty checks uh, that you're getting. Yeah, for. I, exp I uh, posted those. If you click on previous funny stuff, and then you come up and the headline says, uh, people say the music business is suffering, but it's not. And these are actual royalty checks <laughs> from my music career. Uh, the first one is for three cents. <laughs> <laughs> but it adds up, and I see by the end you got seven cents, yeah. so that's, that's yeah, good. Yeah, I've got a one for seven cents there, too. <laughs> if the darn so, kids wouldn't just pirate your songs instead uh, uh, buy the uh, the CD, you'd be getting much more. I know. This, these checks would be for six cents <laughs> and ten cents. <laughs> Steve Martin saved GPS locations, and uh, you got to uh, go back a little bit in time to read the October tour ideas and i don't know i think it's very bold of you he also reveals his uh, his contract writer for the tour uh contract the, writer my yep. uh, tour writer the things that uh, steve demands yeah here's a note my uh october tour ideas leaked I like this one audience seems to love it when i show up <laughs> <laughs> just it is a, it is you know go to youtube if you want to see some uh, clips I'm, I'm sure they're illegal but the and you can download a free song on there too oh there is so a free song on the site the, yeah yeah you can download the song rare bird alert oh you can hey, but one last question i don't i mean i don't want to keep your customers away from you uh because i think they're dying to ask stuff but i i'm just curious if other people have the same problem i have on my pc with itunes oh yeah it's very very slow yep uh, when I'm syncing my phone, I, you know, when you, when you just look at the screen, I can't get all the the dial, you know, those little dialogue that say your phone will sync and and then it goes dot 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 and it won't <laughs> won't even spell out all the uh, you know all the text won't even show it's busy. up. It's busy. You'd think Apple would uh, would uh, do a better job for uh, on Windows software, but they're notorious. But do you think that's intentional, or is it? I'm no. wondering, is it me or is it? No, it's not you. It's universal. Everybody I know who runs iTunes, and by the way, that's. More, far more people than run iTunes on the Mac, uh, just because mm -hmm. Windows is so more prevalent, uh, so much more prevalent. Uh, all complain about it, and I, I don't know of a fix for it. I just think Apple does not know how to write Windows software. I guess I don't think mm -hmm. it's intentional. I don't think they do that. No, yeah, I wouldn't think so either. No, it's too big. It's too oh. big of a business for them. Yeah, well, maybe if they just call me, I can help them. Yeah, you know, I think that's the key. Steve, it's such a pleasure talking to you. The website is stevemartin.com. Please get the new CD. You will love it. Uh, and the Dixie Chicks are so great. Yeah, and by the way, it's number one on the Billboard Bluegrass charts. Hey, you won, an, you won a Grammy the last time, so. Last one, we won a Grammy, and uh, yeah, we're very excited about it.
So we, we're going to get Steve to do a show uh, on the Twit Network in which he answers your technology questions. I think it'll be just fantastic. <laughs> and a medical question. <laughs> and I can, I, I have a, uh, I can prescribe drugs. Too. Oh, that's wonderful. <laughs> so yeah, it's a whole thing. I'm working on that license, and I can marry you. Steve, thanks for joining us. I really appreciate it. Okay, thanks a lot. Great to talk. Steve with you. Martin, I'll play a little bit of See this uh, Dixie's. Take care, Steve. A little bit of this Dixie Chicks. Uh, that's sort uh, of a slow song. That's oh, what, slow what do you song. what do you want? What should I play us? Uh, out why with? don't you go out with the first song, "Rare Bird Look"? That's a very upbeat tune. Yeah, we played a little bit of that before, but I'll play a little bit oh, more so you can hear. Well, we'll play the uh, we'll play the end. It's just a really fantastic. Steve Martin, "Rare okay. Bird Alert." Thank you, Steve. See you later. Take care, Leo All Laporte. Right. The tech guy. Oh, I love it. Everybody dance. Isn't that great? I think it's hard. It's hard. Thanks, Steve. Take care. It's hard not to be happy when you hear banjo music, isn't it? It makes you feel good.